Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Dad, I'm broke. Hey, broke. I'm Dad. Dad. Okay, don't you have cash saved up from babysitting? No, I spent it. I want my own bank account from S&T Bank. They offer free ATMs, Zelle, and an annual scholarship. Plus, when I open a Smart Start checking account, I get $100. See? I'm responsible. Hey, responsible. I'm Dad. Visit stbank.com slash smartstart for details. Bonus available July 1st through September 30th, 2022. Opening deposit balance of $50 required. Member FDIC. Welcome to an all-new episode of True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast. This week on Shit Out of Luck, we dive in to the case of serial killer H.H. Holmes. First, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Poddex, for sponsoring this episode. Check them out today at poddex.com. Use promo code Larry21 for 10% off your first purchase. Poddex.com, promo code L-A-R-R-Y-2-1 for 10% off your order. Let's get into this case, shall we? During the summer of 1886, a man named Herman Webster Mudgett settles into Chicago. He was a charming con man, and though some did find him off-putting, most took a quick liking to him. His relocation wouldn't be the only change he'd make. It is here where Mudgett takes the name Dr. H. H. Holmes and begins to run a pharmacy. Over the years, Holmes, the man widely referred to as the nation's first known serial killer, had a building of his design constructed in the Inglewood area of Chicago. To keep his dark designs under wraps, he would frequently fire his construction workers or force them to quit by refusing to pay them through a conning act of rebuke. He would maintain that he wasn't happy with the work, so many who worked on the construction of the building over the years that they couldn't truly understand the horrors of what they were helping to create. Exactly as Holmes had intended, he would eventually hire a carpenter named Benjamin... My bad. Benjamin Pitzel, who became a loyal assistant to Holmes. He and his wife Carrie had five children, Desi, Alice, Nellie, Howard, and a son who died in infancy. First floor had space for uh, shops where he had, where he eventually hired women to work for him. His own apartment and office were on the second floor, along with additional rooms that he could rent out up to the third floor. But it was the secret features of the building that would allow Holmes to turn the place into a nightmarish murder castle. Hidden passageways and trap doors, notably a chute that allowed Holmes to move bodies quickly inconspicuously from the second floor right to the basement, among other horrifying designs. Holmes also made use of the backdrop of the nineteen or the excuse me, eighteen ninety three World Columbian Exposition, which drew over twenty five million visitors to Chicago. During this time, Holmes turned the extra rooms in his building into a hotel. Many of his victims were young women who he charmed to become engaged to before murdering them. 
then taking control of their finances. Throughout his time in Chicago, Holmes racked up several debts. And around the time the fair came to an end, Holmes made plans to leave Chicago. At this point, some of the families of the women who had gone missing had started investigating, inching closer and closer to the truth. Before leaving, he tried to make some fast money by committing insurance fraud. After a small fire in his building, the con man claimed $6,000 in damages, filing the paperwork under another pseudonym, Hiram S. Campbell. The insurance company believed the fire was suspicious and agreed to pay out the claim. If Mr. Campbell came to collect the money in person, while in the past, Holmes likely would have found a way to retrieve the money, he was growing more worried as these investigations closed in on him. Furthermore, the countless creditors Holmes owed money to banded together and hired attorney George B. Chamberlain to collect for them. He set up a meeting with Holmes in late 1893 and surprised him with a room full of people he owed money to, along with more lawyers. Holmes turned on his charm and made a case for himself that many in the room fell for. But instead of being arrested that day, as had been the plan, Holmes disappeared while the creditors were deciding what to do. Along with uh, Pitzel, Holmes moved to Fort Worth, Texas. Holmes had a land there that had previously belonged to one of the women he had seduced and killed, named Minnie Williams. Shortly before the duo went to Texas, Holmes secured a $10,000 life insurance policy on Pitzel. The pair continued to work various schemes in Texas, Missouri, Colorado, New York, and Tennessee. However, Holmes ended up in prison in Texas for a sh short time after one of his defrauding scams was uncovered. While there, Holmes met an accomplice in Marion Edgepath, a train robber with whom he made a plan to collect on Pizzle's life insurance policy. Meanwhile, he was in Philadelphia, posing as a patent salesman by the name of B.F. Perry. Eventually, Holmes went free and journeyed to Philadelphia. In August 1894... One of B.F. Perry's clients found him on the second floor of the business of his business dead. The body was badly burned. The head and upper body in particular, which was disfigured beyond recognition. The man had apparently died in an explosion. Although he appeared to have been resting peacefully, the coroner would note his theory that the man had died from coraliform poisoning as a considerable amount of it was found in the man's stomach. And while the death was due to asphyxiation, it wasn't clear whether that was due to smoke inhalation or another poison. At this point, the ID of the body had not been settled. Soon after, Holmes made a claim on Pitzel's life insurance policy. Holmes wrote to a Fidelity Mutual Life Insurance Agent, or Life Association Agent, providing his description of the man, noting various physical descriptions. Holmes eventually noted in a letter that Pitzel, Pitzel still owed him $180 and asked that if the body was indeed his, that the amount be taken out of his insurance payout and sent to him. In a second letter to the insurance agent, Holmes offered to come in to try and identify the body. The coroner requested that a family member also take a look. It is believed that Holmes coached his, the 15-year-old daughter beforehand and the pair identified the body 
Benjamin Pitzel. The $10,000 claim was paid out immediately. Despite the payout, the insurance company believed Holmes was committing fraud. They weren't convinced that the body was even Pitzel's or that the death was an accident. To add to the matter, former accomplice Marion Hedgepithe had told the insurance company to look into Holmes' claims when the apparent $500 he was promised for his part in the scheme had not been paid. He stated that the, his belief that the body wasn't actually Pitzel's. With his allegations backed by their own suspicions, the insurance company hired the legendary Pinkerton Detective Agency to investigate, leading to Holmes' arrest in Boston for the insurance fraud in 1894. Once behind bars, Holmes admitted that the fraud and claimed he had found a cadaver that looked enough to like Ben Pitzel, had rented the house, put the cadaver on the second floor, and set the body on fire, so that it would not be recognized and that Pitzel was still alive. Meanwhile, three of his children were now missing, and Philadelphia detective Frank F.P. Geyer was on the case. According to Geyer, Benjamin's wife, Carrie, had known about her husband's plan to scam the life insurance company, along with Holmes, beforehand. Although she was against it, she didn't the money. At one point, Holmes had told Mrs. Pitzel that he knew where her husband was hiding out, and that he now wanted to see their children. So Holmes left with Alice, as well as Nellie, who was 11, and Howard, who was 8. After he was arrested, letters written by Alice and Nellie to their mother, which were never sent, were found in Holmes's possession. But according to Holmes's story, the children were fine. They were with a friend of his, Minnie Williams, an early victim of Holmes, who was allegedly bringing them to Pitzel's hideout in England. Scotland Yard was contacted and asked to search for the children to no avail. Detective Geyer was able to use the children's letters to try to retrace their steps. In Toronto, he found the bodies of Alice and Nellie buried in the basement of a home Holmes had rented. Holmes was brought in from prison for questioning upon the discovery, but he swore that Minnie Williams must have killed the children. This led to led Chicago police to raid Holmes's old home, where they found various human bones and other body parts. Among the evidence, authorities believed they had found the body of Minnie Williams. Geyer's search would eventually lead him to yet another home, Holmes had rented in Indianapolis, where the body of Pitzel's young son, Howard, was uncovered. It became clear that while Holmes had committed insurance fraud in collecting money on Ben Pitzel's life insurance, the men had not staged Ben's death. Holmes had actually murdered his longtime accomplice. It is believed he killed the Pitzel children out of sport, convenience, and to keep his insurance scam a secret. Holmes was put on trial and was convicted of killing Ben. He was sentenced to death. In one of his confessions, he claimed to have killed a total of 27 victims over the years. Although some estimate that he killed many more, on May 7, 1896, H.H. H. Holmes wore a black suit to his execution. The notorious murderer, con man, and liar would craft these final words, quote, I am not guilty of taking the lives of any of the Pitzel family. And just before he was hanged, he said, quote, I have never committed murder. That is all I have to say. 
Holmes would use his final breath to unsuccessfully con his way out of death. Thank you for listening or watching this episode of the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. Let me know what your thoughts are on H.H. Holmes. Leave a comment in the comment section below. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up if you like the videos that we put out. If you want to support the show, go to buymeacoffee.com slash TCNS. Your support helps us grow and keeps the lights running. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.